Yeah. We took roughly about 13 people down from about 12 different churches. Wow. From here, from Big Bear to, I was the only one from Big Bear, from Victorville, Apple Valley. We got a couple drove from Boise, Idaho wow. to, to drive down and they brought some stuff down, some dehydrated foods for them and we got a chance to go through them and, you know, trying to, like, all right, which stuff will go to which people and we left it up to God and, and um, did that, you know, pass out some food to people who needs it. And we did a couple of work projects. Um, we did a, um, a roof, made some repairs. We did some painting. And, um, got a chance to do that. And, um, it was all, not all about work. And people asked me, are you not working today? Hey, what's the beach? And that's nice. You live Big Bear. That's got the big place. I need my winter tan. I need a little tan on my... And um, that plus, you know, we did the story of Samson and the shows. I went down there went with some hair and came back with no hair. And the kids have fun. And, you know, a couple of kids decide to double team me. He's like, I want this dude. A little cross on the back of my head and... And uh, for a couple of days, I was holding that for a couple of days. And I said, nah, this won't work. Just shave it off myself. And and what's funny is uh, this couple of guys came up to me and said, are you the guy from, like, the last trip? Yeah. I said, you got any more points? Bible verses in Spanish. I said, why? I just gave my last one to my... Uh, my end, I need another one. Like, let me try to work on that for on the next trip. And it's like, wow. I didn't, I didn't know this point would make a difference in somebody's life and all that. And, um, and when we uh, went to this old folks home, uh, the Foursquare donated a bunch of handicapped stuff, wheelchairs, walkers, a bunch of stuff. I was like surprised myself about the same time Pastor Mike was out in Africa and they started on their own our collecting. I didn't ask them, I didn't tell them, they just went on their own and and uh, we went to those old folks on three people who for walkers. And uh, we went in there, gave it to them, and uh, publisher and um, we was like waiting for the latest. Two of our sisters, one of our best friends and um, it, I, it's like uh, we was like waiting for waiting for um, like 45 minutes past and, uh, the nuns run this old folks home she came up to us I got some bad news she's like what? The lady you guys got saved. He just passed away. I said, what? He said, yeah. And the two sisters came up to him. 
you've been trying to heartbreak to try and get her sick for five years. And she waited for us to get there and talk to her. And give her the will to walk her. And uh, we waited for the family section. Tell the family section, you guys need anything, just call us. I was like, I think, you know, that's the reason I go down. So just that meeting with that lady right there to make it all worth it for in my life like, you know on the uh, on our way down to Mexico we have to declare all the stuff we are bringing out we got a truck full trailer full I was like man this would take us five hours to unload everything we unload everything I say, oh, 800 bucks each. I tell our leader, I'm going in the truck. He's like, I'm going in there to pray. I don't know what God wants me to do in the truck. Just went in there and prayer. And our leader just came back from the office. And the guy said, 800 bucks. I came out of the office with 20 bucks. How he, how the guy told us, told us 800 we just paid 20 bucks for all this stuff to head down south. And um, I hope, you know, maybe on the next trip, somebody out here can go down with me and all that. But we could, you know, a lot more people could be, uh, a lot more messing up. We're going pretty far down there. Guys, send me again. Our next trip is in November of next year. Thank you guys for watching the slideshow. That's Robert's love. Second to, uh, we're going to take up the tithe and offering, 
And uh, as we do that, I want to give a couple of announcements, give you a chance to make out your checks. Um, we've got a couple of exciting things happening over the next few weeks. Next weekend, we have Dave Ogren uh, from, uh, now help me, Pastor. Great Commit because it changed, yes. It used to be IRRTV. Great Commission Ministries coming to join us in services Saturday night and Sunday. In your bulletin, did you got a little third sheet? Hopefully. Those didn't get though. We will get those passed out. We want you to make sure you have them. They're probably Matthew upstairs on pass. Oh, they're out there. If you want to get them, they're just. It's just a reminder. Remind your sheet of what's happening next week. Saturday night at 6:30, he's going to be ministering. Um, it's going to be two different services, so we encourage you to come out for both services. Saturday night and Sunday morning. Saturday at 6:30, we're going to have a time of worship and a time of preaching, and just believe the. The Holy Spirit's going to be moved, and we want to come prayed up and come expecting God to do a great thing Saturday night. And Sunday morning, he'll be back in the service again, uh, sharing a little bit about what's been happening in the ministry, Great Commission Ministries. It's really two things happen with uh, Pastor Dave Ogren. He is an apostle, pastor, apostle, and he's got an anointing, and he comes and he just brings a word from God. He brings ministry. He was even uh, really highly involved in some, some interesting areas of the transition, getting uh, Shannon and I here. He was used by God in some great ways. So he, he'll come and minister that way, but he also represents Great Commission Ministries, and their ministry that's all over uh, Russia, now the Middle East going into uh, Africa, and they come into these crusades where they will uh, blitz the town ahead of time with advertising, and then they'll do these 30 days of TV spots and testimonies of people who get saved. And literally millions of people watch these with thousands of salvations. Churches from all over cities gather together and support the ministry. So it's a multi-denominational, multi-church outreach. And this ministry goes, shows up, helps do all of this, and then leaves and then allows the churches to disciple the people who get saved. And there's been a lot of fruit in it. So we, we want to hear about that ministry and also hear the word of the Lord that's going to come from Dave Ogren. So put that on your calendar. Um, then Tuesday after that, we have New Life Drama Team coming. It's, a, it's not a youth event, but it's, it's, it's a youth event. So it's for the whole church. They're going to come and they're going to do drama. And they do, uh, do some great ministry. It's a fun time. They're uh, a very gifted group of young people that travel all over the United States every year. And they, we always get them to come by here to do some ministry. But, but the dramas minister to all ages. They're a lot of fun. Great time to bring somebody, maybe, who, who is unsaved. Or, uh, there's a great message that will come, and it's a lot of fun. So that's Tuesday night. There will be a time of uh, – is there going to be worship on, on Tuesday or just a little time of worship? Full, that's right, a full, full worship band and a time of drama. So don't miss that on Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. He's probably putting some things up behind us. That's New Life right there. And moving on in a few weeks, just beyond that, let me steal your bulletin real quick, get the right dates. In here is something called Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage. We have a video for that, don't we? I don't want to, I don't want to talk about this announcement. I want to let you see. We're going to have a, a marriage seminar. Uh, oh, it's a Friday night, Saturday. It's in your bulletin. It's a great time. Oh, guys, you're going, forget it. I've already done those. Uh, this is the one for you, men. This is, a, this is a marriage seminar for men um, and women, are, of course. But uh, we're going to watch this little clip from it, and it's a lot of fun. This is Pastor Mark Gunger. Hello, and welcome to Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage. I'm so glad you're here. This is the marriage seminar for people who hate 
marriage seminars. <laughs> Hoo-ah! All right. I get a kick out of watching the couples when they first come in on Friday nights. You know, the, uh, the girls, they're all lit up, you know, just... I got him here, I got him here. <laughs> and the guy's going, oh man, I can't believe you know, I got him. But it's cool, guys, you can relax, you're going to love it. This is not one of those let's beat up on the men for not being women seminars. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. What is it with that anyway? Man, you know, you ask a lot of women to describe their ideal man, and they'll describe another woman. <laughs> What's up with that? You know? So we're not going to do that. We are going to uh, uh, just go with this thing in a normal, healthy way. We're men. Men are men. We're not sick. We're not perverted. We're not twisted. You know, we're not broken. We're men. All right, and God, yeah, and God made us the way we are for a reason, and I'm going to show you girls what that reason is, okay, and I'm going to try and explain to you uh, the world of men a little bit through this thing. We'll also discuss the women's side of things as well, but I really want you to understand this men thing. Women are much more complicated than men. Men are very simple, simple. <laughs> Men are very simple. Come out. It's going to be a great time. And uh, we're going to start on Friday night at 6 p.m. We'll have some refreshments going throughout the evening, give you enough time to just grab a quick, quick meal. But we'll have some snacks on Friday evening, 6 to 9. Then Saturday, we're going to join back together at 9 in the morning. We'll have some uh, kind of a continental breakfast, 9 to 1 on Saturday, and let you go uh, after that for to go out and get lunch and maybe go together. But I've did, got, Shannon and I have gone to the seminar. It's a, it's a DVD, it's just a DVD conference. We're just going to play the DVD, have some inter, uh, inter, intermissions with some little bit of speaking. Most of we're just going to be listening from uh, Mark Gunger and the whole thing, I guess I don't need this because it's not even on. The whole thing is, is like that. Uh, he's, he's engaging, it's a lot of fun, and you'll, you'll come away with some great understanding of, of men. Uh, men will understand us better. Women, you'll understand us better. We'll also understand the women, and and it just becomes a lot of fun. Shannon and I got to do this up in Oakdale. We hosted it up there, so I encourage you invite uh, as many people. Now there there is a cost. It is fifteen dollars for the whole the whole thing. If that is prohibitive, talk to us. We can scholarship. We can do. It. We don't want anyone not to come, but just to cover the cost of the video, the snacks, and things like that. Fifteen dollars. But we can. We'll open it up to anyone in the community. And so get the word out if you want. Uh, we're going to be doing that on May 4th and May 5th. And I guess, you know, on May 5th we should eat something Mexican because that's Cinco de Mayo. But we'll find out. So, so uh, be prepared. Make sure you mark all those things in your calendar. Keep your bulletins. Um, don't miss these services. We're really just excited what God is doing. We're going to receive an offering this morning. Yes. Couple. $15, and you, you don't have to, you can come as a single person if you want to just get some more insight. Um, there are some, uh, this isn't for kids, this isn't for, for, for kids, you know, uh, we will be working on child care, we'll let you know how that comes together, but, but I, you start working on child care, if it, what, maybe what some of the parents can do is do some group child care things, 
but, but the nature of it, we want you to be free to not be running back and forth and have your kids necessarily on premises. If we have to do that, we will. But, um, so we can maybe co-op and, and do some of that, things like that. $15 a couple, it's really not appropriate for kids that will be talking a lot about sex. Say that in church and your people. <gasps> but, you know, and so, so guys right there, they're getting out their wallets going, 15 bucks, talk about sex? Here we go. <laughs> All right. And so, so <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. If you embarrass easy, sit in the front so nobody sees your face because you'll be up here. Nobody can see you. It'll, it's just a great time. But we want to receive an offering. And um, so we've got the usher. But let's, let's pray. We want to just take, we want God to use us as we would give. Lord, we thank you for your provision. God, we thank you for provision even when it's, when it's tight. God, we don't only give you glory when we, when we have plenty, when things are, are going good, but God, we give you thanks for everything, Lord, knowing that you walk us through the difficult times, God, that you're, you're, you're there in the plenty, God, and you're walking with us when it's difficult. God, we pray as we would give financially this morning that you would bless the offering. God, I pray that you would continue to be Jehovah Jireh, our provider, as we would give faithfully into, into your work here at Christian Center and abroad as we would give into the missions, God. Lord, take and, and multiply it. God, let people come to know you. Let salvation ring in people's houses, God. And we pray that you would just uh, continue to, to guide us and, and be our Lord in this area of finances. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Did I miss any? We good? Hallelujah. Are we ready to start receiving stuff for that? Okay, then I'm going to announce the yard sale too. The youth is doing its annual uh, Memorial Day yard sale. And we, it's a great time to, uh, to make some money for the youth and to clear out your garage, get rid of some things. Are we going to do the same thing we did last year and also do the spaces? Okay, this, this works two ways. Come and bring us your not junk. Come bring us the stuff that you don't need that's got some value to it, and we will sell it, and the youth will be able to do their trips, their camps, the things that we are desiring to do more and more of uh, over the course of this next year. Uh, the, for instance, they're doing a Magic Mountain trip in May. They'll do uh, Choir of the Fire, youth events, um, all-nighters, things like that. And so the proceeds from the yard sale will go to those ish, uh, those items. There's another way you can come if you want to have a yard sale on Memorial Day weekend. You could come and bring your yard sale here, and we'll set you up an area. And what happens if we get enough of those, we have a massive yard sale that, that if anyone who yard sales knows, the more yard sales in one place, the more shoppers. And so if you, if you have stuff, you go, you know, I really you know, don't want, we, we'll actually just give you a couple of spaces and there's usually a nominal fee, again, to do that. And again, if, if, if it's some of the situation like, listen, I just I need to do that, we'll make that work too. But it's great to have three, four, five people selling things. We'll put lots of signs out, advertise it in the paper, and then people come. Maybe we'll even do hot dogs and things this year. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, just a little booth right out here. Just to, they, and they brought up a few selected things. Um, also, if you, if you, you know, they brought up like jewelry and things. If you make things, if you want to use it as a craft type of thing, it's a great. I think we let's use the, the the fact that we're out here and have a big parking lot for that. And I believe that the youth group every year makes over a thousand, sometimes up to two two thousand twenty five hundred dollars. And so that's one way we can we can keep doing and working with the youth, supporting the things that are going on. 
without keep asking, you know, can you support the youth, support a youth. And it, so it's a great way. And plus, everyone loves yard sales, especially Peggy. <laughs> amen. Amen. Well, God, as we go into a time of the Word, I would pray you would just be here this morning. We thank you for your presence. God, continue to move us on in our Christ-like maturity. Draw us closer to you. Lord, and I pray that everyone in this room would be drawing one step closer to you today. God, help us to know who we are in you and, and draw each one by your love, by your grace. Bless this time in the Word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When asked, what is a disciple, a wise sage once said, someone who follows Jesus. And so they were asked, well, didn't Jesus go to heaven? Are we supposed to go to heaven to be a disciple? And this wise sage says, no, we have to do what Jesus taught us to do. That wise sage was Madeline Hastings. You know, my, uh, we were talking this week as we're going in, uh, continuing on, on our series called The Core. This week we're going to talk about discipleship, but specifically making disciples. And so we're having a conversation at the lunch table, and I decided to ask the kids, what, what is a disciple? And I loved it. Madeline just quickly, she was the first one to answer, somebody who follows Jesus. And I said, well, you know, I, I asked her, well, what does that mean? Do we have to go to heaven? She goes, no, it just means we have to do what Jesus said. It's pretty simple. God is, God is wanting us to become disciples. But this morning, we want to talk about that he wants us to make disciples. Once again, we're going to try this at the core of Big Bear Christian Center, our life groups of 3 to 15 people that meet weekly throughout Big Bear Valley, empowered by the Holy Spirit through prayer. Their purpose is to make disciples through spiritual growth, community, and evangelism, which results in group multiplication. We're going around the room in this series, understanding what, what makes us tick. What is the purpose that we're here? What is the purpose of our life groups? And why do you keep hearing? Why do we keep badgering? Get into a life group, life group, life group. Because we believe that this is a biblical form to be in relationship with God and with each other. This morning, we're hitting in just one week of making disciples. And you go, only one week on discipleship? Yes, because... I believe that being a disciple is spiritual growth, living in community, and evangelism. And the things that God talked about today, what I want to speak about is Jesus' call to us to go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. Their purpose, the purpose of these life groups is to make disciples. You and I are supposed to become disciples. Jesus spent 33 years of his life culminating in these passages in Mark 16 and Matthew 28. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Another version I read this last night said, he who does not believe will be damned. And I went, ooh, that is so much stronger than condemned. It means the same thing. This is important stuff. If these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That's what's going to happen to believers. Matthew 28 says, Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. If you have different versions out there, which I know you do, some of your versions says, didn't say the word disciple. 
When I read that, if you're reading along, it said teach. You go, well, there's a big difference between teaching and making a disciple. In the Greek, there, the word we're going to be talking about, making disciples or disciples, is mathetes. And it's really hard to really understand the point in this scripture. Is it, is it teaching? Is it making a disciple? Is it, and I believe the connotation is both. It's being a disciple that helps other people become a disciple. It's, it's a full word, what, what they're trying to say. And so it's go into all the world and be a disciple that helps other people become a disciple. And that's, that's what the purpose, that's what Jesus' last commission to us was. Go make disciples. It's important. Jesus, just before ascending into heaven, says go. That was his last wish. That was his last, last will and testament, if you will. Make disciples, baptize, teach Teach them to hold fast, to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded. Not teach them to observe some of the things. Teach them to observe all the things I have commanded. And I will be with you. That takes a long time. Think about the things that Jesus commanded. Think about the, think about the things Jesus taught his disciples. And now he's telling them, okay, we're done I'm leaving. It's your turn. Go and teach them everything I taught you. Discipleship is not instantaneous. Making disciples is a process. You don't go and tell somebody about Jesus and they become a disciple. In fact, I was reading in the book of Acts and, and I, I have never come across this, never thought about it before and never heard a sermon on it. So later maybe I can get with Floyd and, and, and Gary, some of you Bible, stu Bible students and say, why didn't the word disciple appear in the first five chapters of Acts? If you, if you read the, the book of Acts, the word disciple is not there until chapter 6. And then it's there throughout the time and it's all through the Gospels. But it's not there in the first five chapters of Acts. In the first five chapters of Acts, we're called believers. We're called followers. But we're never called disciples. And I believe, and, and I really could be wrong, I'm stepping out, but I believe that it has something to do with, it took a little while for them to become disciples. They were a follower. They were a believer. They had made a decision to, to get saved and to follow Jesus. But those people didn't become disciples overnight. Finally, when the proof was in the pudding, they were, became a disciple. Because discipleship isn't instantaneous. Disciples of Christ are set apart. They're a little bit different than just somebody who believes. Lots of people believe. But they, I don't believe you can call them a disciple of Christ. But this whole idea of, of discipleship, and it's very important. And there's so many scriptures. I spent time just pouring over the word. It's an Old Testament principle and a New Testament principle. And it's so, there's so much to say about becoming a disciple and, the, and the, the idea of what being a disciple is. And again, methetes is the Greek word. And it means most readily, it really does just mean a learner. If you look it up in the Greek, it means learner. But Jesus, in his intent in the, in the scriptures, was more than just a learner. And we can see that it can mean other things also. And one of the things it means is an adherent or a dis disciplined adherent to a teaching. It's more than just a learner. Lots of people are learners. And you can go back and find the word disciple in, other, in, in the Greek used by other people. Socrates had disciples and Plato had disciples, but they were learners. They weren't always strict followers of a lifestyle. 
the idea has been around for, for millennia, really thousands of years. And it's found in the Old Testament, other ancient, ancient cultures. There's even evidence that personal discipleship was carried among the Greeks and the Jews. And the term disciple is used in different ways in the different literature of the time. And it, there's examples of discipleship referring to people who committed to following great leaders, emulating his life and passing on his teachers, teachings. In these cases, discipleship meant much more than just the transfer of information. It, it, it refers really to imitating the teacher's life, to be inculcated with the master's values. I like that word. Isn't that a good word, inculcated? I had to look it up. To reproduce his teachings. You know, inculcated, in fact, where it was used, it was used incorrectly. I thought somebody used the big word and they got it wrong. Because inculcated is, is by, you know, putting into something by teaching over and over and over and over again. And Jesus did that. He, he kept teaching the disciples because we're slow. You've got to teach people over and over and over until finally we get it. Well, you know, it takes a while for us to hear. We have to hear it and hear it and hear it. And that's part of the process of becoming a disciple, that, that we, we understand it, but it's, it's following the teacher's life, the values and his teachings. The difference between some is that those like Socrates made disciples to be thinkers, maybe free thinkers. The whole point was, no, break the mold, break out on your own, discover you, become a thinker. But Jesus was different. In Matthew 4.19... He, he sets a different standard on what he thought a disciple should be. In Matthew 4.19 and Mark 1.17, it says something very similar. Verse 18, Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting an net into the sea for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He really wanted them to follow him, follow his teachings, follow his ways, learn and understand not just his teachings, but his manner of life. Jesus wanted people to follow him and to learn from him, not just the things he taught, but his whole manner of relationship with God, relationship with one another. He wanted them to become like Jesus in every way. That's the difference. And that's what we're talking about making disciples. When we, when we say as Christians to make disciples, we're not talking about educating people. Education is great, but it falls so short. We're talking about helping people to become followers with their life and everything in them, imitators of Christ. And we say like with Paul, follow me as I follow Christ. They can't, people can't really become a disciple in a teaching setting when you're only pointing to Jesus. They need to see it in relationship with other people. Church, we need to get off this thing of saying, I'm, I'm just human, I'm fallible, just look to Jesus, don't look to me. That's just an excuse. We need to be like Paul and say, follow me as I follow Christ and, and, and do it. And start living what, we believe, living what we teach, living what we preach, and becoming a disciple ourselves. The life of discipleship, it's a, it's a discipleship of life. It's intellectual, but it's also relational. It's moral. It's spiritual. It's holistic, if you will. That's the approach that Jesus had with his disciples. That's the approach that he, when he says, go and make disciples, that he wants us to have with other people. Holistic. All of us. 
Not just Sunday Christians, not just intellectually, but our whole lives. He wants us to live as disciples and to go and help other people to become disciples, which is a process. 2 Timothy 2. 2. I'm going to read a lot of scriptures. You don't have to go there. If you're taking notes, you can. You can also get the, get the uh, CD or listen to it online for nine ninety five. Just kidding. 2 Timothy 2, 2 says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That's discipleship. What you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will then be able to teach others. It's a multi-level marketing plan. Jesus had it before Amway. Way to go. It's not doesn't just stop here. There's residuals forever and ever and ever because as you have become a disciple and taught other people to do it, you are even indirectly responsible for helping to lead other people to Christ. You just think you might get a crown because somebody gets saved in 300 years because you were faithful and, and you taught somebody to live like Jesus, not just understand the information. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God. I love the American standard, or the, the English standard in this one. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. The Word of God is good for teaching and correcting and training. It's a discipleship process. Ephesians 4 Again, a a scripture about discipleship. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ. Discipleship is growth. It's, it's deep. We're going to grow up into maturity. We're going we're to be challenging other peoples. It's working together. That's discipleship. And it happens in lifestyle. Part of the way that discipleship happens is in our lifestyle, living day to day. Like I said, we're going to have a lot of scriptures. Philippians 4.9 says, Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. What a great thing to be able to say. Church, we need to get there to where we can say, Whatever you've seen in me, put into practice. I'm living for Jesus and you can watch my life. You can put it into practice. That's, a, that's what disciple-making is. See, the truth is, is we, we all really do make disciples all the time, whether you want to or not. People watch you, and they look up to you. And if they watch you and look up to you, they're going to emulate you. So whose disciple are you creating? You know, you can say, well, don't watch me, don't watch me, but people do. That's just the way it is. And so let's get to that point where we can say, whatever you've seen in me. You know, and here's, here's the gear. It doesn't mean you have to be perfect. But when you fall, admit it. And if people are watching you, admit it in front of people. Don't be afraid to say, you know what? I blew it. I shouldn't have lived like that. That was wrong. And there's no excuse. But God's my Savior. He's my Redeemer. He forgives me and I'm moving on. I'm going to press on. It's not about being perfect, but it's about being real and having real relationship with Jesus. People are watching. We're making disciples already. Let's make them for Jesus. 
It's a lifestyle put into practice. It's also not easy. Discipleship is not easy because He calls us to die. Luke 14, 27 says, Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me, he can't be my disciple. It's about dying to self and, and being will, willing to be ridiculed and die. Luke 9.23 says, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus said this before he went to the cross. We read it after the cross. We read it with almost a glory thing. I'm taking up my cross. There was no glory in the cross that Jesus said to take up at the time. It wasn't a glorious thing. He was probably walking by the hill that he would walk up as criminals were taking up their cross. And he was like, you're going to take up your cross and you're going to die for me and it's not glorious. It's hard to be a disciple. When Jesus calls a man, he calls him to die. Matthew 16 says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. It's hard to be a disciple. It's hard to be a disciple. It's easy to be a believer. The demons believe. We can be believers. We can have a, a, a quasi-spirituality about us. But the next step of really taking up our cross and being a disciple, it's difficult. And it's a lifelong process. It never ends. I think the process of becoming a disciple will, will finally end when, when, when we're in heaven. You don't just get there. You go, oh, I made it. I'm, a dis I just, I'm done. I don't have to change. I don't have to work hard anymore. I've, you, know, so you don't get a degree, disciple. Titus 2, Titus chapter 2 says, But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded. This is Titus 2, 1 through 8. Dignified, self-control, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure and working at home kind and submissive to their own husbands that the word of God may not be reviled. Older men, older women, it's a process. They're still working on it. No matter how old you get, the process of discipleship never ends. We just keep moving closer to Jesus. The, the, goal, the, the lifelong mission that Jesus gave me is to try to take everybody I come in contact with one step closer to Jesus. And there's no end to it. No matter where you're at on your spiritual journey this morning, you can take one step closer to Jesus. And then next week you can take another step closer to Jesus because until we're finally free from this physical body of death that we live in, until we're finally free from living on, on this earth where Satan is, is not bound up and he's free to torment us and we have this sinful nature in us, we're going to have things that separate us from Jesus, from, from walking in, in that holiness until we're finally in heaven. So it's a lifelong process of getting closer to him, denying ourselves, taking up our cross. John chapter 8 says, says, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Abide means stay, remain. It doesn't mean get in, and then you can get out, and you're done. Abiding takes a long time. I think it's until you're dead. 
Abide. Stay there. Get into His presence. Get into His Word and stay there. Abide in God forever. And that's the process of being a disciple. You need to be close to Him. And it, and it, I don't know if it ever gets any easier. It just changes. Some of you gray-haired saints here, can you, would you agreement in that? You know? The struggles you struggle with today are hard. They're just not the same struggles you struggled with 40 years ago. It's, we just, it's, it's a constant thing. We have to guard ourselves. We have to be in fellowship, be surrounded by other godly men and, and women and do this thing and, and walk out our, our salvation, walk out our faith, becoming disciples of Jesus. In Matthew 20, it says we're supposed to preach the gospel and make disciples, teaching them and teaching them to obey. That was the purpose of there. Not just teaching the information, but teaching to obey. And we can get lost on that forever because that's so, so hard to do. Obey. And it's not about rules. I'm not, I don't want to get us lost into a, a religion of rules and do's and don'ts. But Christ wants us to walk as He walked and get to know Him and do this. Disciple. It's a learner, but it's an adherent. It's more than just a, an intellectual learner. It's an adherent, a discipled adherent to, to a set of values. And in this, it's a, 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 an adherent to the teachings and lifestyle of our Lord Jesus Christ. Discipleship also happens in relationship. Discipleship is hard. It's a lifelong process. And it happens in relationship. Happens relationship with God. John chapter 15 says, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he, he it is that bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. That's relationship. That's relationship with Jesus. It's being close in relationship with him. You're in him. You know his voice. He already knows us, but we've come to the point where we know him. Discipleship happens in relationship to God. It also happens in relationship to others. John chapter 21. This is the passage of scriptures that Peter, Simon, who denied Christ, comes back now and Jesus restores him. He restores him. And there's a twofold here. I, I see when I read the scripture, I said, This is relationship with God and it's relationship with people. Jesus is restoring Peter, helping him to become and be that disciple of Jesus through relationship with Him and through relationship with others. Listen to this. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Relationship with God. He said to them, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs. A second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Tend my sheep. He said a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved. Because he said to them the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Relationship with God, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Love them. 
be in relationship. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But you, when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was going to glorify God. And then he said, follow me. Discipleship, that's, that's the whole thing right there because that shows discipleship is hard. But do you love me? Do you want relationship with me? We need to be in relationship. We need to be in relationship and willing to love others. Love the sheep. Care for the sheep. Follow me. You're going to die. That is an encouraging message, church. Your faces are so full of joy. There is joy in walking and being a disciple of Jesus. There is joy. There's hardship, but there's joy because there's no place I'd rather be. You know, I've, I've walked on both sides. I've, been, I've walked with the Lord and I've fallen away. As a, as a Christian, oh my, Pastor Rob fell away. I wasn't born a pastor. I've only been a pastor for a couple of weeks. But I remember when I was young in my faith and, and you would have these crises of, of faith, really, if, am I going to do this and, and, and get into a sin that just, just separated you from God? You just didn't feel Him anymore. And, and you even had to make those choices. Am I going to push back through and be in relationship and, and walk for God? But I tell you the difference... When I was out there and feeling so far away from God, I, I'd never go back there again. I'll take the sufferings. It's hard to walk with Jesus sometimes. But I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't trade it. It's glorious. And there's a glory yet to come. We have to keep our eyes on the prize, the Bible says. Because it is hard here. We're talking about making disciples and we don't want to let people think that being a Christian is, is just mamsy-pansy. It's, it's not for the weak-hearted. It's not. We're going to help. We're going to do this. And that's what the relationship comes forward. In John 13, it says it again. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. We have to be in relationship with other people. Men, yes, you do. <laughs> You know, some of us men out here go, I don't need any relationship. Give me my hammer. Give me my truck. Give me my gun. I'm going to go out. I'm good. But we need to be in relationship with each other. Love one another. I need to go to a marriage seminar and learn about men. Relationship with God and with each other. It's a huge part. As we're going through, that's, that's where we, we made the stop on the third banner, if you will, the third banner of our, of our series talking about discipleship. But, but a big part of discipleship goes right over to this one over here, community. You know, it's, it's actually a lot easier to be a Christian if you don't have anyone else to be a Christian around. <laughs> Go up into the middle of the woods and be a hermit and... But that's not what Jesus was saying. He was going to be a disciple. You're going to be around other people. And we need to live in community and be in relationship with other people. Proverbs 27. Oh, come on. You, some of you know this. Proverbs 27. As iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another. You know, 
iron doesn't sharpen real well when it, when it just passes by. It needs to clang and clang and clang. Bang, and it sharpens. There has to be some friction there to get that sharpening effect going on. That's relationship. You know, attending a Sunday morning, attending a life group, showing up, putting on your Christian happy face, eating the snacks, saying, God bless you, and leaving at the end doesn't sharpen you. You've got to start getting real and getting to the point. How many of you have already experienced this, maybe in a small group, where all the pleasantries are gone and now you're bugging each other? And you're like, I just can't stand the way they talk. If they say one more thing tonight, I'm throwing the popcorn at them. And you get through it. It becomes relationship because you're sharpening each other. Some of you are laughing harder than others. relationship and we got it we got to rub with each other but as we do that we're going to sharpen each other and become disciples because if we have that relationship where we can call each other to actually say you know what you're just talking too much tonight can, can you give joe a chance we're going to help them because they need to they need to hear well, they need to hear a little bit more. We need to give that opportunity to Joe to share. And we need to grow and, and, and just be open to what God might want to teach us. And I'm, I'm the big, you know, I talk way too much in my life group. Una tells me that all the time. <laughs> she doesn't. She doesn't need to. But she doesn't need to tell me. I just, I know I, I, I talk too much. And if I don't stop, I'm not going to get out of here on time either. <laughs> but we need to be in that relationship and, and sometimes have to shut up long enough to let somebody speak into our life. Become a disciple. And a discipleship relationship. It's, it's life long. What does the disciple do? He learns. We saw that the Bible is, is there to teach us to correct us to rebuke us we learn the bible we need to as a disciple we need to really understand i believe some some doctrines of why we're saved and why not everyone gets to go to heaven it's important that we really understand that so there's a part that the the intellectual learning the, the learning the the doctrines of the bible is important but a disciple also mimics he watches and he mimics what what the discipler is doing we look at Jesus, we mimic him, and, and we, rep we reproduce that in our own lives. A disciple serves the master. A disciple serves the master, and as he does that, he gets to know the master better. He, he gets to know not just what he does, but he gets to know the heart of the master. And if you've ever you know, been an apprentice, there's the, when you first start, you're just kind of looking at actions and looking at what they do, and you're just repeating it and repeating it and repeating it. I can imagine this happened a lot in the, in the fire department. You know, okay, well, I'm going to jump off this cliff. I've got to do all these things. But I, I, the, the joy that you probably got as a captain when, when they got it. And they go, Captain, now I know why you do that. Now I know why you do that. Now I know why you care because you, you, you've spent the time and you get beyond just the, the doing and you get the heart of the matter and understanding. And when you mimic and you follow Jesus and you read the word, that there comes a time more and more that you see the heart of God 
and the heart of Jesus for people. And that's what we're looking for, to go beyond just the do's and the don'ts and the, the mimicry and the following until you know God and you're abiding in Him. And that's when you're there. Like, wow, I'm here. I understand now, God. And then nobody can drag you away. When you fall, you, you rush back in to the presence of God. You learn from relationship and from care. We're supposed to believe in Him. We're supposed to be baptized. We're supposed to be discipled. And we're supposed to be a disciple. And then we're supposed to help others become a disciple. We're to be like Jesus. And Jesus was a disciple maker. He did a lot of things, but He spent time with His disciples, pouring into them for years, working with them, loving them, walking in relationship, until they became disciples. First He called them to follow Him. And He began to teach and tell them what He wanted. What really He expected them to do. How He wanted them to live. He taught them that they can only do it through His strength, His grace, His Spirit. We can't ever miss this part of it. Jesus spent three years preparing, teaching and training, modeling forgiveness, challenging His disciples to do His will. And at the very end, He adds something. He says, oh yeah, you can't really do it without the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit empowered, empowerment to walk this life to be a disciple, to do these things. You need the Holy Ghost in your life. And He modeled it Himself because before Jesus started His ministry, He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus Himself, the Spirit came upon. And before He left, He says, you need the Holy Spirit in your life. He's calling us to make disciples. He's calling us to be disciples. But He gives us His Spirit and His power to make it possible. And He wants us to abide in Him the whole time. Abide in me. Abide in me. Stay close. It's not a religion of rules, but it's relationship. Be in God. Be in relationship constantly with the Lord. He is the vine. You know, it's so... It's imperative that we are about the Father's business and we listen and do what He says in Matthew. Go and make disciples. Teaching them to obey. Be part of their life. That's the only way you can really teach somebody to obey. You can tell them, but when you teach, it's, it's, it's closer. Because there's a lost and dying world out there that's going to hell and they need to be saved. And then there's a whole group of Christians, of believers, who aren't walking in victory. They need to be, they need to be helped to become disciples. They can become overcomers and not just believers who are following other winds of doctrine. Stepping it up, becoming actual disciples. Church, I want us to know this. First Peter 2.9 speaks to us this morning. It says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Church, you are chosen. You're royal. You're awesome in God's sight. He loves you so much. And He's saying, walk with me. Walk in me. Fulfill the great commandment the Great Commission in me. Make disciples. Be a disciple. Live in me. Let's pray. God, we hear your 
your voice so loud. I hear it so loud, God, to be a disciple and to make disciples. God, I see that your heart was so much in pouring your life into your disciples and you want us to do the same thing. Help people to grow up into maturity, to be overcomers, to learn to know you in a more intimate way and to learn what you've said through your word. God, help us to rise up and say, I am going to become a disciple of Christ. I'm going to continue on in this path that you've put me on, Lord. And follow you and get to know you better. I'm going to learn to say no to ungodliness. And I'm going to surround myself with believers, disciples who are going to help me and I'll help them. We'll sharpen each other. God, and we'll go and make disciples of those you give us connection with. God, I thank you for your love for us, your, for your absolute amazing love. I don't feel like a holy nation or a royal priesthood. But God, I'm so grateful that you love me in that fashion and that through your righteousness, we are these things. God, this morning, I know there's a lot of hurts in here discouragements. God, I pray that you would touch and minister to each one where they're at. Let God, no one, no one, no one be condemned and feel condemned. But God, I pray that you would right now, by your love and by your spirit, minister to each and every heart in here, God, and draw us deeper. Draw us deeper into you. God, even leaving the past behind this day, making a declaration. I'm leaving my past behind. I'm moving forward. I am going to walk on as a disciple of Jesus. God, help us to sharpen one another this week. We join together in life groups throughout the valley. God, help us to be a little bit more real this week. Transparent and vulnerable as we grow in you. I thank you for this amazing assembly of believers this morning. We give you praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Saturday night, don't miss it. Get together in your life groups this week and talk about and become a disciple with those you're in fellowship with.